Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. The United States Supreme Court is broken. Some people will say we're packing the court. We're not packing it. We're unpacking it. Ruth Bader Ginsburg explicitly warned against court packing. They want power. We need action at the border. Vice President Harris has yet to actually travel to the border and has no plans to do so. The J&J vaccine. Confident that we have the supply needed to meet the demand. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views for a Thursday, a political trivia Thursday. We'll play in a little bit. Uh, category, congressional designation. Congressional designations, okay? Um, I think it'll go quick. Lots to talk about. Had some uh, people asking today about the loan forgiveness uh, and the PPP loan lawmakers in North Carolina's House fast-tracked a bill today that would allow businesses that received payroll protection program loans from the federal government to have any expenses the funds were used for deducted from state tax. And this, this is significant, and quite frankly, you know, it's uh, the whole PPP package was given out so that businesses could stay in business so they could pay their employees even when they didn't have income. So I think this is appropriate, and I think the Republicans in that – well, the Republicans in the House passed it today. So the House side, it's done. It passed uh, overwhelmingly. Uh, I think it was 111 to 2 or something like that. Um, yeah, it was. The bill passed second reading of the House floor, 111 to 2. Uh, it will go to uh, be voted on for a third and final time on April the 20th. I don't see why it wouldn't pass again. Uh, then it will go over to the Senate. So, uh, and my understanding is that um, it, it looks positive on the Senate side. We'll see. I, and this is something that Benny Hardy has been uh, advocating for. And uh, he's been he's been pumping the pump. Uh, he's been... <laughs> Uh, making a lot of phone calls on this. So uh, I, I, that's what I said a couple of weeks ago. We ought to call this the Benny Hardy bill. Uh, so it's gone through the House. And, uh, you know, one of the first places that we talked about this was probably two months ago. Uh, Benny and I and Keith Kidwell on this program talked about this, and uh, now it's passed the House. So good news. In fact, we'll have Keith Kidwell on in a little bit. We'll talk about that and some other things that are popping up in the news, including this whole um, – Save Women's Sports Act and uh, the transgender bill. There's a bunch of bills that the Republicans in the House and the Senate are considering, which are great bills. We'll be talking about all those. You know, this transgender bill, um, parents, doctors, and transgender teenagers spoke out yesterday against this North Carolina bill. Now, this is the News and Observer, okay? So they're going to be biased as they report this. Um, that would ban transgender girls and women from playing on North Carolina women's sports teams. In other words, the News and Observer is trying to frame this as, oh, these are just women. No, these are biological males that are going to eviscerate biological females from participating in sports. And, of course, they had all the sob stories they had people come in and say how it's going to be the end of the world. Uh, then there was other 
stories out today, uh, again, on the uh, News and Observer website, talking about Senate Bill 514, the Youth Health Protection Act, which um, has to do with uh, basically making sure that child abuse isn't taking place under the name of transitioning. And again, there was a lot of sob stories there. And look, I understand, you know, it goes in and talks about how, you know, there's so many of these kids that are confused on their gender, gender dysphoria, about the high rate of suicide. What's interesting about this is that, and the News and Observer didn't mention this, is that the high rate of suicide for those people transitioning or want to transition, it, it doesn't go down after they transition. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for talking about how we need to counsel, we need to help and reach out to these, but child abuse, either chemically or surgically, is not the answer. And again, we'll talk to Keith about that as well. Uh, Daily Wire, a new poll revealed that the majority of Americans disapprove on how President Joe Biden and his administration are handling the crisis at the southern border. According to a new Quinnipiac poll, only 29% of Americans approve how Biden is handling the situation at the Mexican border. Another 55% of Americans disapprove of his handling. The response from the American public comes in spite of the fact that Biden has a 48% overall approval rating. Quinnipiac polling analyst Tim Malloy said that Biden is facing some of the same problems at the southern border that Trump faced in, in terms of perception, but Trump got it under control. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was under control until Cousin Eddie got in there, and he's fouled the whole thing up. The U.S.-Mexican border is experiencing the highest migration surge since 2001, 20 years. We're at a 20-year high. We'll probably break those records. According to enforcement statistics from Customs and Border Protection, as of March 2021, CBP agents interacted with 551,614 migrants in the entire fiscal year of 2020. The U.S.-Mexican border saw 405,036 migrants cross the border. The, um, in other words, it's, it's a horrendous mess. You know, this just as a sidebar, this is really uh, interesting. If you get a chance, and it's on Netflix right now, it, there's a documentary out there called Hitler the Career. It's about a two and a half hour uh, documentary, and right now it's on Netflix. I started watching it a couple of nights ago, it, it's long. Um, so I, I'm going to end up watching it in segments. But, you know, you look at what this Biden administration, what progressives are doing, burning down the cities, uh, fiscal um, programs that are going to bankrupt our nation, the surge at the border, blaming everything on white males, you know, taking, uh, taking an entire segment of our population and saying it's all their fault. The, the first hour of this documentary on Hitler is again, it's called Hitler, his career. It's either Hitler, Hitler, the career or Hitler, his career. I can't remember, but you'll find it. You go to Netflix. But the thing that just hit me was 
what we see happening right now in our country, and for that matter, in other parts of the world, it very much coincides with what we see, what we saw happening in the late 20s and into the 30s in Germany. It, it's, a, it's a fascinating look at it, and in a, in a lot of ways, I, I thought of Joe Biden is the uh, new Hindenburg. Was that uh, Hitler's Circle of Evil documentary? No, and it's called Hitler, His Career, or The Career. Okay. Um, but it, it's, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating piece and it's, it's somewhat alarming as you watch it, the number of things that we see happening today where you, you, you look at what's happening and say, are these people imbeciles or is this by design? I, I'm, I'm not sure that they went back and studied, okay, how did Hitler take over? And okay, people are going to say, oh, you're saying all these people are the equivalent to Hitler. I'm saying the methods that they are using to, and one of the things that Hitler very much did was in order for the Third Reich to take over, they had to destroy what was happening. Now, he had the depression, the you know, 1929 depression ruined economies all around the world, not just in the United States. So he had that going for him, and but he he didn't do a whole lot to get out of the depression. He wanted to see the whole system collapse so that he could introduce his new Third Reich. And I'm not saying they're introducing the Third Reich, but they're certainly hoping. You know, the, the progressives of today very much want to see our our country collapse. If you get a chance, take a look at it. It's fascinating. So, uh, speaking of collapsing the system, Jerry Nadler, the formerly large Jerry Nadler, still looks like a troll, but um, he in the House and Senator Ed Markley in the Senate have introduced, and and by the way, Hank Johnson, the the guy that um, said, asked the... uh, Naval officer, if Guam would flip over, if it would capsize because there's too many uh, soldiers on the island of Guam. <laughs> Can't make it up. Uh, he is one of the ones that is sponsoring the expansion of the Supreme Court. They want to take it up to 13. The uh, And the, uh, the troll, Jerry Nadler, said, you know, and you heard it in the open that uh, Clark put together, you know, he's not, we're not packing the court. We're unpacking the court. So their proposal is, and interestingly, Nancy Pelosi said she's not going to allow the vote, the, this bill to come to a vote. And what's also, so anyway, they, they both in the Senate and the House introduced this bill to take the uh, Supreme Court up to 13 justices. Uh, it was interesting. Markley, just a couple of years ago, said that he thought expanding the court was a bad idea. Joe Biden called it a bonehead idea about a decade ago, but they're going to take it to 13. So, I mean, my question is this, every time the Democrats do something that they think they've outsmarted the Republicans, it blows up in their face. I'm not sure how this will blow up, but I will say this, if they take it up to 13, what's going to stop the Republicans from taking it up to 17 when they're in control and the pendulum will swing. Uh, assuming we can have fair elections, it'll swing back. 
So anyway, we we will see what happens here. But uh, and and by the way, uh, Joe Biden's uh, Jen Psaki came out today and said, well, you know, he's put together this quote bipartisan commission, thirty six members. You know, they have one or two token conservatives on there. I've gone through and I've read the names of the thirty six members. The vast majority of them are liberals, and they're currently. Uh, professors teaching law at liberal colleges and universities, the vast majority of them. So <laughs> this idea, oh, if we say bipartisan, everybody's going to believe us. You know, that's one of the definitions they're tra- changing now. You know, the, the dem that came out the other day and said, well, bipartisan doesn't necessarily mean members of Congress. As long as we can find a Republican somewhere who agrees with us, then we can say it's bipartisan. The uh, New York Times, back uh, in June of last year, when we are in the midst of the presidential campaign, ran a bombshell story entitled, Russia Secretly Offered Afghan Militants Bounties to Kill U.S. Soldiers. It has now come out, of course, now that the election is over, They've got their guy in there. Now everybody's coming out and saying, oh, never mind. Nothing to it. Donald Trump called it fake news. It was fake news. And now even the left is admitting that it is fake news. Daily Beast is reporting, it was a blockbuster story about Russia's return to imperial great game in, in Afghanistan. The Kremlin had spread money around the longtime Central Asian battlefield for militants to kill remaining U.S. soldiers. It sparked a massive outcry from Democrats and their hashtag resistance amplifiers about the treasonous Russian puppet in the White House whose admiration for Putin has endangered American troops. I Remember this? I mean, they, this was in the midst of the presidential campaign. The New York Times ran it as a lead story. They, they came out and they said, oh, yeah, we have all this backing. We know this is factual. Uh, it wasn't factual. Donald Trump was right. It was fake news. But again, another instance where the mainstream media comes out and shows they're biased, shows they wanted to get uh, Donald Trump out of there. They'll do anything that they could. Well, now that it's over, now that we got rid of them, we'll come out and say, oh, never mind. We were wrong, which is basically what they've done. Listen, I'm all for a free press. Uh, the First Amendment to the Constitution affirms a free press. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Just last week, Joe Biden, and I don't agree with this, but Joe Biden came out and defended his gun control by saying the freedom of speech does not allow you to yell fire in a crowded theater. So then does the freedom of the press give license for someone with paper and ink to slander and misinform for nefarious purposes? I mean, the question is, do blatant misrepresentations of truth such as this, does this qualify as press? I mean, the idea of a free press is that you're as, as much as you can, but now I understand you have an editorial page. The problem is the editorial page is now turned into the front page. So the idea of uh, are we going to allow this to pass as press 
that you're not even trying to get an accurate handle on the news. You're going out of your way to distort the news for nefarious purposes. Now, you, I'm sure, think the just, you know, the the ends justify the means. But is is does the Constitution protect this kind of a press? I'm all for a <laughs> the, the you know the First Amendment and a free press. But is this the press? Keep it on your editorial page. But no, that's not good enough for them. They want to destroy certain people that doesn't fit their narrative and coming out and talking about how Donald Trump is a puppet of Putin and talking about how he's all for Russia paying Afghan soldiers to kill American soldiers. That's what was being talked about in the midst of the presidential campaign. We're going to take a time out. Lots more to talk about. Don't forget political trivia. Not now, but in a little bit, stay with us. More news and views coming up. This is your Drive at 5, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in, and your weather forecast looks pretty good. A little chilly tonight, though. Clear skies. It's going to get around uh, 45. Tomorrow, a high near 67 with lots of sunshine, some wind gusts, and then Saturday and Sunday, mostly sunny. Slight chance of rain on both days, but uh, high around 70 degrees. Good-looking weekend. Good-looking weekend to get out and play golf. Ironwood Golf and Country Club voted best golf course in Greenville two years in a row. Ironwood Golf and Country Club boasts an 18-hole Lee Trevino design course, full-service dining, and outdoor pool, tennis, and more. Our newly renovated 15,000-square-foot clubhouse is the perfect place to make new traditions with your family. For a limited time, join Ironwood, pay zero initiation fees, call 252-752-4653. Find out what makes Ironwood the best of Greenville. Again, that number, 252 252- 752-4653. Be a part of the best. Ironwood Golf and Country Club. We will play political trivia in a bit. Sitting in with me now is uh, Keith Kidwell, a member of North Carolina's legislative body. Keith, welcome back in. Thanks, Tom. Uh, I guess Good to be here. tax talk's done, right? Tax talk finished last week. All right. But but, we can uh, talk about some taxes today because we passed a a good bill in the House. Well, uh, yeah, I led my program off with that, the uh, PPP bill. Now, you've got one more vote on that in the House, and then it goes over to the Senate. But tell us again what exactly the PPP bill would do. Well, it's really, it's quite simple. What it allows is for us to couple what the IRS says or couple to what the IRS says, and that is you do not pay taxes on the loan money itself when it's forgiven. And you would still be allowed to deduct the related expenses to that. So you've used it for your payroll appropriately. It's not income. You still can take the payroll expenses that you paid out. And it, it's probably not going to be an enormous amount, but it's going to be, depending on how large the, the, the sure. loan was. Well, it, you, you look at it this way. If you had a $10,000 loan, it's $525 in tax savings. There you go. You know, So if somebody had a, a $50,000, it's a $50,000 Couple loan. grand. $2,625. So, yeah. So, Benny, if you're listening, there's the good news. (laughs) The Benny Hardy bill. That's right. Um, Boy, there is a lot going on right now. You know, we had uh, talked on Monday about this, um, the NCAA coming out and saying states, and as, as best as I could read, the NCAA came out and said states that are even considering bills that would ban biological men 
from playing in women's sports, or I guess for that matter, I don't think it happened happen that often, but biological women playing in men's sports, um, the NCAA would disallow any championships from being played in um, that particular state. North Carolina is considering a bill, uh, the Save Women's Sports Act, yes. which a lot of states are considering. Now, is is that... As as I read the bill, I couldn't figure out for sure. It, it sounded like that would include college. Is that correct, or is it just high yeah, school? And, it, and it would be high school and college. Uh, we're not. It would be college professional sports, but you know that's that's not our purview. But you you can't have uh, a, a man in a woman's Thank you. boxing competition or track or you know they're, they're anything. Just, the, the woman's not going to stand a chance. Matter of fact, I saw a report today, a uh, scientific study that came out and it said men are at least ten to as much as 60% stronger than the average woman. So how can a woman even compete in that environment? Yeah. You know, it, to me it's it's uh, tantamount to the the doping that they don't permit in the Olympics or the use of of uh, steroids so that they can enhance their their ability and it's an unfair advantage. This is the same thing. It's an unfair advantage. Interestingly, Tom is most of the emails I'm getting is is they're telling me don't get involved in the kids' sports. You know, we're not talking about Mary and Billy that are out there playing baseball on the Sandlot teams, or you know. And, and my son played for I think it was called the Optimist uh, Club. Had teams in in Washington. We're not talking about those sports, you know, because prepubescent children generally are much more easily right. balanced. Right. It's once a, yeah. a male goes through puberty, things change a lot. Yeah, my grandkids you know? right now, one of my grandsons is is still in the the big big fry small fry and, and exactly. that's it's girls and guys playing together, it, but uh, they're 6 and 7 and sometimes 4 and 5 years old. Let, let's put it this way, Tom. When I was 10, 11, 12 years old, my sister was 3 years older than me. She'd beat me up all the time. <laughs> when I turned 13, she couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> so, there you go. Um, now, uh, and, and there was uh, there were hearings over the last couple of days dealing with this whole transgender issue. There's also legislation out there that's being considered, which would prevent a number of things dealing with transitioning. Children saying, "Hey, you know what? I've decided I, I'm a biological male, but I've decided I want to be a female, or vice versa." And you all are considering legislation. I, I don't. I think this is originated in the Senate, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I was going to say I haven't seen that bill. I did hear about it. Uh, I find it very interesting. I think, and I, I couldn't swear to this, but I think in North Carolina, a child can't get a tattoo hmm. until they're 18 years old. I, mean, I couldn't swear to that, but I think that's the law. I probably need to get a lawyer to look that up for me, or staff, or something. But if we can't get a tattoo, how in Pete's name could we possibly think about allowing gender reassignment surgery? Right. You know, exactly. Come on, guys. But um, nonetheless, uh, the, the News and Observer, now they had uh, some uh, quotes from Tammy Fitzgerald, um, who's conservative, but the News and Observer ran an article today, long, detailed arguing, uh, article about you know playing the violins for these poor kids yeah. that uh, you know they, they desperately need this surgery, these chemicals. And one of the one of the things that Tammy Fitzgerald pointed out is we have no clue as to what the long-term results true. of these chemicals will be. Now, we know the surgery is not reversible. Correct. I mean, you chop off 
<laughs> you chop off Uncle well, Albert and he's gone. Stuff like that. <laughs> uh, but I mean, but 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 I mean, we're we're talking about kids. Yeah. And yeah, I, I'm not an expert on it, but I do know the vast majority of kids that, that deal with this at a young age, they outgrow it. And, you know, some just outgrow it on their own, some with counseling. And then there are other people, too, that have actually had the surgery. There was one particular person talked about in this uh, News and Observer article. And I will, I will give kudos to the News and Observer. They did have some of the stories from the other side. But one individual who had surgery years ago realizes now it's a mistake and now they're on a campaign to well, prevent it interestingly enough i don't know if you remember it was probably seven or eight years ago there was a movement afoot to prevent parents from having their children circumcised mm. i don't know if you recall that there was a big battle there was even one guy that tried to sue his parents for having him circumcised you know a million dollars whatever the, I, I don't know what became of that but you know we go from not allowing circumcision to gender reassignment surgery yeah that's a big jump yeah and that, to me, let's let's face it, that's an adult decision, not a decision that you should make for a child who's three, four, five, ten years old, even 15. Let, at least let that child get to 18 years old and make that decision on their own. Let me get back to the Save the Women's Sports Act real quick. Did you, have you seen the article about the NCAA? Say? I have not. Okay. I've been too busy reading bills. But it, it, it sounds to me, from what you've described, this bill, the Save the Women's Sports Act bill, that we would come under that umbrella and it sounds like they would not like us. Yeah. Yeah. And so therefore I'm assuming if a team like the East Carolina pirates were to get a, uh, opportunity to host a regional, if the NCAA is going to follow through with what they're saying, we get bumped. It, it, it sounds like a Tom, but honestly, I don't think we should cave into what oh, absolutely not. And, and businesses, you know, we have to do what's right for the people that we represent. Absolutely. I'm not, I'm not trying to talk you into yeah, backing no. down. Not no, at all. I if, any, if anything, I'd say anything. <laughs> Hang in there, brother. <laughs> Hang in there. I think you know me better than that. Yeah, for sure. So what else is going in, in terms of the calendar? Uh, is the uh, date come and gone for the closing date for introducing new bills? So it depends on the bill. Local bills are, are done. You had to have that legislation in. Uh, the the actual introduction of bills, I want to say we have to have them in by next week. Uh, I'm pretty well tapped out now. As a matter of fact, I had to borrow what we call tokens uh, from other people because I have a 15-bill limit, and I'm going to go past that. Uh, I, I didn't so, realize there was limits like that. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah. Actually, one of the first things I voted on on the floor of the House two years ago uh, as a freshman, my very first vote was to stop that number from being increased because I felt more laws is not a good thing that we want to do. Uh, unfortunately, I'm up here now facing the fact that I'm having to borrow tokens because I'm having to combat so many things with new legislation yeah. that, that we're dealing with. I don't know if you saw the one I, I introduced yesterday. I, it might not actually get read in until today or tomorrow. It's the uh, My Body, My Choice Medical Privacy Act. Now tell me about that. So My Body, My Choice Medical Privacy Act says you cannot require me to have a medical procedure or vaccination to enter a facility. So basically, this is an anti-vaccine anti passport. Vaccine passport. Well, it's interesting you bring that up. That's one of the things I had jotted down because a lot of mm -hmm. states are are doing that now. A lot of states are looking at that. I got. I think I like my title on the bill. Mm -hmm. Very good title. Mm -hmm. uh, I always like to be able to use the left's own language against them. There you go. And uh, <laughs> you know what? What more practicable than my body, my choice? Yeah. You can't tell me I have to have a vaccine. Yeah. You know, for Pete's sake, if I can't tell you anything about abortion, a vaccine is you know going to be an invasive situation that could affect me 20 years from now. I don't know. 
Well, in fact, I mean, I've said this several times on the program. There, I, I've talked to doctors that have said that very thing, that we don't know. Just the same with the, the, the chemicals yeah. that they're putting into these young kids. Well, look on, at the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Yeah. You know, how many millions of people have had that? And they're like, uh-oh, this thing yeah. might be causing Never mind. Yeah, maybe we better hold <laughs> off on this. For sure. You know, I don't want to be a guinea pig. So. I mean, I would think with the Republicans uh, in the House and the Senate that that bill would get a favorable yeah. review. Uh, I'm sure it will, but again, we fall to the uh, same the governor that the governor sitting there so make him make him veto it well we, i i hope that is the case yeah make him veto it so what else is going on wow well you know there, there's there's so many things going on it's really hard to keep track of uh, what i'm very proud of is the fact that we've got the freedom caucus presenting a lot of this information reviewing these bills to make sure that what we're doing is good legislatively uh, freedom caucus was a big push on getting the ppp loan approved uh, so that the people can add those, those, and not have to add those expenses back to income. So really, we're spending a lot of time in that in that particular caucus to uh, to review different bills and legislation to to make sure that they're as as good as we can make them. Uh, the the big th- concentration I've had this week has all been really on dealing with the overreach of the governor. Uh, in fact, as as I spoke to one of the newspapers this morning on the phone, he said, "Well, what what's the big impetus behind these?" three most recent bills that i put out uh house bill 264 being one of them and the, the my body uh, uh my body my choice bill i said well you know here's the bottom line the 264 is the reigning in of the governor correct yeah. right so the bottom line is tom and, and you know this as well as i do in a republic no single person is vested with all the authority so we we have got to you know get that codified into general statutes that even in an emergency you know, the governor does not have, and I don't care if it's Cooper, I don't care if it was McCrory, I don't care if Forrest won, no governor right. has this or should have this authority in a republic. That's not the way it works. Let, let me ask you a philosophical question, and we're going to have to take a break here in a minute, but as you see what is happening in our country and the progressivism, the progressivism on, on the federal level, and granted we're more, a more conservative state as compared to some, compared to California, New York, anyway, we're conservative. Do you see the enthusiasm for conservative values uh, increasing on a state level, on the state legislature, as compared to the the federal level as it gets more liberal? Do you see the intent? And and I'm not talking about, I I realize we still have to deal with Cooper, but the intensity of and the fervency of those people in your party that you're working with up there are they becoming more intense now that Joe Biden is our president than it was two years ago when you first got in? So the voters sent us a much more conservative freshman class, a very large freshman class, 18 new members on the Republican side. By and large, very conservative group. Uh, and I, I'm encouraged by that because they're they're probably more conservative than my freshman class. The other thing I, I would point out is – we grew the Freedom Caucus from five or six members last year to 22. Wow. Yeah, so that, that tells you the conservatism that you currently see in the House of Representatives. Exciting. Keith Kidwell is uh, sitting in with us. We'll uh, come back and talk more politics with Keith. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, initially we're going to play political trivia. So give us a call, 561-8255. Got a good prize package. Congressional designations. It's going to go quick. Five six one eight two five five. We'll play when we get back.
All right, welcome back in. It is time for Political Trivia, 561-8255. Give us a call. We've got some lines open. Your category, Congressional Designation, okay? Your prize package includes a free oil change for your car or pickup at Dave Davis's East Carolina Chrysler Dodge Jeep or at Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. A gift certificate from Fit for Life 24, including two free training sessions with a coach. A $20 gift card to the Pirates Cove Car Wash, a proud partner of the ECU Courtesy Car Program. A $60 diagnostic card from University PC Care for any iPhone or PC repair. A gift card for a free round of golf with cart at Ironwood. A $20 gift card to Mucho Bueno for lunch or dinner. Mucho Bueno, real Mexican street food located in front of the Westbrook Shopping Center, U.S. 70 West in Havelock. A $20 gift card to Gwendy's Goodies Bakery in Aiden. Delicious bake made from scratch goodies. And uh, a $100 gift certificate for tax services at the uh, any of the area Kidwell H&R Block offices. You better hurry up and get it done. Uh, remember, if you or any of your immediate family members have won, let 60 days pass before you play again. 561-8255. Congressional designations. And uh, nobody wants to be the first caller. I've noticed that of, of late. They, nobody wants to be the guinea pig. So do I Do I go ahead and give the uh, question? Oh, Hunter is on the line. Hey, Hunter. Hey, Tom. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. I didn't realize I was going to be the first one. Well, hey, you, you never know. I actually think it's fairly easy, though, okay? All right. In 1956... Congress designated this for the United States. It is something that you probably see every day. What is it? In 1956, Congress designated this for the United States. It is probably something you see every day. What is it? Is it the motto on the uh, dollar? Or like, in God we trust? (laughs) I said it was easy. You got it. (laughs) That is it, Hunter. Wow. I, I didn't think it was that easy, but you got it, yeah. 1956, our national motto, in God we trust. Yeah, there you go. Well, hey, listen, hang in there. Where are you calling from? Uh, Greenville. All right, Hunter, hang in there. Clark is going to get all your info, and uh, sorry to everybody else that was on hold, but uh, hey, you got to be quick. Hunter beat you to the punch. All right, Hunter, hang in there. Stay with us. Keith and I will be right back. With this executive order, we uh, we hereby bring you the news you need 24-7. We don't need a slew of executive orders to keep our commitment to you. The news and the breaking news as it happens. They know how to sniff out the big news. (laughs) I made a sniffing joke. Eastern Carolina's source for news is... Getting all the facts. On Talk 96.3 and 103.7. It spells out... News and views... Welcome back in. Congratulations to Hunter Dixon of Greenville. He hit it out of the park. First one to call in. I tell you, you got to be quick. In 1956, Congress designated this for the United States. It's something you probably see every day. It is our national motto, in God we trust. Pull out a dollar bill, and there it is. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people get e pluribus unum, thinking that is our national motto, but officially our national motto is in God we trust. Talking to Keith Kidwell, Keith represents Beaufort and uh, Craven County, right? Craven, yes. Uh, District 79. Just talking about some legislation. We're in the long session this year. You're probably going to go to, what, July, August, do you think? 
Well, they say July. Um, you know, last uh, session we ended up the long session somewhere around October. Ooh. So Ooh. I'm, I'm hoping it doesn't <laughs> do that. Yeah, so it's, it's supposed to be a part-time job. Yeah, 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 really. Yeah, it's it's not. It's not. You've got a couple of other pieces of legislation that seem pretty pretty common sense. Um, I guess maybe the one we were talking about during the break that um, makes sense to me, it makes sense to us here in the eastern part, especially if you live in a county that's highly populated. Um, and, uh, you know, you were saying down in Charlotte, the surrounding counties around Mecklenburg County aren't too happy about this. But it is a piece of legislation that would allow the sheriff's office to issue a gun permit to an ad- an adjacent county, I guess is how you would right. word it. So yeah, if you're let's say Pitt County, if they got really backed up on issuing gun permits, uh, somebody could actually go over to Beaufort County and apply for a a, a permit there. Uh, this would allow them to not have to wait. You know, I, I have a lot of friends in Pitt, and they'll tell me, you know, we're we're supposed to have a concealed carry permit issued in 90 days, and a lot of times it'll go past that 90 days. Beaufort County they're usually two weeks. Yeah. I had a family member who just wanted to get a, a gun permit and, uh, it, it took a lot longer than I thought it would take. And part of it, I mean, <laughs> thank you to Joe Biden. He's the uh, best promoter of gun sales, best, best gun sales yeah, since, since Barack Obama. Since Barack Obama. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I- interestingly enough, I've also, uh, I'm trying to do everything I can for second amendment. Well, for all rights, really Let, let's, freedom of speech, freedom of religion. Right. You know, I'm, I'm concentrating on trying to make this a better state constitutionally. And one of the things I've also put in just this week is a repeal of the pistol purchase permit itself. All right. So people, oh, we don't want to just give out the guns and be that it doesn't change the fact that you still have to get a background check. You know, it just changes how we do this. So you have a NICS insta check that you can, you can use. You also have a concealed carry permit. The pistol purchase permit was put in place. It's actually part of the a vestige of the Jim Crow laws. Hmm. So it really makes sense. You know, if, if you talk about you don't want to have a situation that's trying to restrict one group or another, that's why that bill was put into place. Interesting originally. point. So Interesting you know, point. I, I looked at that and I, I called up fiscal or, or the uh, legislative research department. I said, isn't this actually from part of the Jim Crow era? And they said, yeah, absolutely. This was passed back wow. when. And what it does is it, it allowed the sheriff to control who did and did not get firearms. Sure. And, you know, that's that's probably not the way we want to do it. Right. If you have the next background, if you have a concealed carry permit, you're still going to get your background checks. So you don't really have to go down and pay your sheriff five bucks to, to purchase a pistol. You are working on something that sounds like it's very much related to the uh, 264 bill, the bill that would rein in the governor's. Uh, powers, but it would be a limitation on the governor's executive orders. Yeah. So as I spoke with uh, another member of the press this morning, in a republic, no single person should have all the authority vested in them. When we turn around and and run executive orders, that's not the way our our constitutional republic is supposed to work. If there's going to be a law change, it needs to go to the General Assembly. Now, we know there's emergencies that come up. We know there's crises, special situations. You know, that's fine. So what we do is give 30 days and then an additional 30 days. So we get 60 days total that, a, that the governor can run an executive order. After that, if he needs to go beyond that, he needs to contact and call in the General Assembly, which he has the authority to do, and let them deal with whatever said issue may be. Now, you were saying that this bill, which is HB 564, the 30-day limitation on executive orders, you actually want to make that a constitutional amendment. 
Correct. And the reason we want to do that, Tom, on, on several of the bills I'm running, I'm looking to do constitutional amendments because anything we do now that's common sense stuff that, it, again, I'm dealing with issues that truly are constitutional, uh, the next General Assembly can undo. All right. So if we bring it to the people, which rightfully should make some of these decisions, we can take it to the people and say, do you want to do this? If they say yes, then it becomes part of the Constitution, and it would take another change of the Constitution to remove that. Can you do it both ways? Can you pass it as a statute and a constitutional amendment? So, yes. Actually, that's what we're doing. 264 is not a constitutional amendment that reigns in some of the governor's overreach. My 30-day bill is a constitutional amendment that sort of is, is accomplishing the same thing. I'll have another constitutional amendment that we're looking at to bring the General Assembly into session in the event that there is a statewide state of emergency declared. So practically you're doing it, but you couldn't actually take 264 and submit it as a statute and as a constitutional amendment. No, no, you can't do that. So what we're looking at is attacking from both sides so that we can be sure. Number one, general statute deals with the emergencies, and that's where it belongs. Mm -hmm. But the fact that the General Assembly should be in Raleigh representing the people if there's a crisis such as COVID that ever comes up again. Right. That's a whole different issue. And the only way you can call the General Assembly in is through the governor issuing the order, through the General Assembly voting itself back in, which takes 72 members. If you want to change how we get to Raleigh, you have to change the Constitution to do that. There was an interesting um, interchange between uh, Jim Jordan and Dr. Fauci today up on Capitol Hill. It's it's probably going to be a lead story on some of the newscasts. Jim Jordan was uh, quite livid in that um, when are we going to, while recognizing the importance of safety, when are we going to allow people to get their liberties back, mm-hmm. their constitutional rights back? And um, this this is probably a, a more of a compassionate bill um, that you're proposing. I, I guess this is your bill, the Jim Reg bill? Is yes. That- yeah, that's fine. And uh, tell us what that would do. So Jeff Reg was in the hospital. Jeff Reg, I yeah, think, Jeff I said was Jim. in the hospital yeah. and was was clinically deceased. And his wife contacted me and said that they weren't letting the pastors in to visit and the family. Uh, you constitutionally have a right to freedom of religion and to exercise it as you see fit. And for a hospital to restrict clergy access, and I've had to battle this three times since COVID started, I think is is a violation of your constitutional rights. Right. So I'm pass, I'm trying to pass the Jeff Reg law, which would say that hospitals must allow clergy in to visit uh, any patient who is in the hospital. And real quickly, you said you had another bill dealing with pastors. Uh, no, uh, is that else. maybe that was the one that, I was thinking of? Okay. okay, yeah, letting them have access to patients. In Very good, Keith Kidwell. Thank you for stopping in. Appreciate Glad it. This is great to have an update, and uh, I hope it doesn't go to October. <laughs> Me <laughs> <For> too. <you. laughs> hey, listen, we'll do it again tomorrow at five o'clock. We'll see you then. Bye, bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.